<laughs> Welcome to the Unified Endurance Podcast, episode 191. Rob Jones. <laughs> Good morning, afternoon or evening. <laughs> A joke not for air. Tickled you then, didn't it? Tickled me. Just tickled, tickled me. you. <sighs> Excellent. Well, welcome. This show is brought to you by Hoka. Mm. Mate, I have been running in the Tekton X2s. You have. Have you used them yet? No. <laughs> you were meant to be Trail King, but now I'm here. Do you like them? Yes. Okay, why? Yeah, I do. Because you're running in a... It feels like you're running in a road shoe, but they have uh, this... I can't remember, Mega Grip. Vibram Mega Grip sole. So you just, you know, you feel like a mountain goat, but with the... The toe box is nice and wide. The um, they're light. The uppers, they say it's water repellent, but it still feels a bit breathable. Water can get in and out, but you you could run through a puddle and not get a wet foot. It just seems to have it all if you're going, if you're mixing and matching. And then the best part, you get a carbon plate as well, so you can also get a bit of speed going. Do you? Here's a question that I've always wondered about them. Do you feel like you're getting the benefit of the carbon running uphill? Yeah, if you yeah. have a quick enough ground contact time, for sure. Downhill? Do you feel like you're being thrown forward? Same thing. Like, if you if you bounce downhills, yes. If you heel strike down them, no. But if you know how to run downhill with, you know, flat foot and can uh, do almost do a, like, ankling drill on your way down, yes. Good. Mm-hmm. I'll have to try them out. You will. Excellent. Uh, <clears throat> always tricky, these shows, because we're actually in the last week, but we're recording for this week. That's confused everybody right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's Wednesday today. Right. Right, and this goes out next Wednesday. So in two days' time, okay, we have final Friday. Right, I got it. Yeah, so I am back from running across Saudi Arabia, Alula, from last week. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. I'm one, we're, we're all one week older. Mm-hmm. And in two days' time, yeah, we have, we're celebrating our third year in our, in our not, no longer new home, but in our studio city home. It's gone very, very quickly. Do you think it has? I do. Yeah. Well, I do and I don't. I, I think back to whenever we were outside setting the gym up and it was baking hot. It was in August. It yeah. was in August and we were carrying things around, moving stuff into the gym, trying to figure out where to put everything. That seems like a long time ago, but then the next, the three years have just been a blur of carnage. Good yeah. carnage. Good carnage for sure. Yeah. So there's still time if you want to come along and celebrate three years of us being in our Studio City home Friday. Come along. What's the what's the schedule? What's the plan? What do people need to do? Actually, I am still recruiting for my team. Mad. My mind's filled. Is it? Yeah. Are you the person with 30 in your team? Not 30, no. <laughs> Not 30. Definitely around 20, I think. And a couple of VIPs now as well. I'm currently up to 12. It's not enough. No, I know. I need more. Yeah, get recruiting. Get recruiting. Yes, you can you let me. <coughs> <laughs> I'm stealing Jess's clients now. <laughs> yeah, well, turn up between 5 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. And if your boss is like, where are you going? It's like, got an emergency. Um, just leave. Or bring your boss as well. That could work. And, uh, and then just be ready to work out as part of a team. Uh, you know, all the usual uh, low-skilled movements will be taking place, such as... Running, rowing, skiing, air biking, push upping, sit upping, burpees, air squatting, definitely burpees, burpeeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do CrossFitters love to do? Talking, take, take the tops off, topping, offing. 
And uh, what else will they do? Lunges. I bet there's lunges in it. There'll be, I reckon, dumbbell Some, snatches. Something with a wall ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not really about the workout. It's about coming and just celebrating. It's about community. With your community. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. People are quite excited about it. It's going to be a good event. It should be. It'll be awesome. We've had a good time every single one of these Final Fridays that we've been to. Yeah, do you remember the last one? I was, I was in a bit of a training block. So I was using the, the eight pound dumbbell, which is what, like four kilos or something? <laughs> Boss is getting so annoyed. You nearly me. dislocated your shoulder because you picked it up to throw it up in a dumbbell snatch and yeah, <laughs> forgot how light it was. Boss gets really annoyed at me when I do stupidly lightweights. <laughs> What's the point? All the point. Oh my Very God. good. Excellent. Right. What are we talking about today then? Well, I have a, well, there's been some news recently and I thought I'd give a bit oh, of a news. rant. Yes, that's right. A I'm bit gonna, of a rant. I'll zone out now. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, and I think why it's important because oftentimes people complain and they don't come with solutions to problems. And I think we're now seeing in the world of triathlon a solution to a long time problem. The problem being Ironman. Right. Why is it a problem? Well, I don't think it means to be a problem. I think they have, you know, the g- good intentions, if you like. Maybe not now with a corporate owned. But when Iron Man began back in uh, the 80s, I mean, it was just about challenging yourself and, and yeah, seeing who out of a swimmer or life lifesaver, um, a cyclist and a runner, who was the fittest. That's how they came up with Swim, Bike, Run. And, uh, you know, over the last well, yeah, 40 years, that's developed into obviously business models and then developed into people making careers out of it. Um, and so it's been a really, I think, positive movement for health and fitness in the world. However, the last, I'd say, 10 years, uh, it's started to become insanely expensive. And we'll talk a little bit about that, Mix. You did some you did some investigating before did the show, some, didn't you? Some Googling, yep. And... It's become a very negative space where a lot of people have been complaining about Iron Man as a company, and I don't think it is. Well, it is just Iron Man to be honest, but you know they get a lot of flack, and for some for good reasons, some maybe not so good reasons. But it's a problem, and now we're starting to finally see a solution. And I think we should, instead of focusing on the negative of what Iron Man racing might have become to you, we should also focus on. We should focus more on the positives of what it can become, and I think this is this is down to the uh, the PTO, the Professional Triathlete Organization. They have had some massive investment in the last couple of years, and have come in and they they're completely changing up the game of how pros, for sure, are um, going to be getting paid, and uh, even the distance that they race for long long distance triathlon so some some might know about the pto some might not have a clue but basically this organization started i think about four years ago now um originally with the idea to give pros a little bit more of a voice within the triathlon space but in the end they realized that they needed um oh what do you call it when someone goes along with you not support it's like a posh word for support Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) collaboration. Ah, yes. Um, They needed some collaboration, which wasn't happening. So they went, right, we'll do this ourselves. So they started coming out with these races that would suddenly have like million dollar prize purses or $100,000 for the winner, that type of thing, so that the best would be rewarded with the most. 
and it's got it's got huge traction and now they're creating more and more races each year with a with the biggest focus being on the pro racing rather than being on getting age group entries they announced i think again thinking in the future two weeks ago three weeks ago they announced a partnership with world triathlon which is really cool because World Triathlon are the governing body of triathlon. So now PTO has World Triathlon on their side, which means that they can actually announce a world champion at distances that they choose. Got it. How did that work before? There was World Triathlon put on a long distance, a middle distance, short distance. Um, Actually, no, I didn't do it with the Europeans. Anyway, yeah, but they didn't get much... um, they didn't get a lot of the the best weren't racing it mm-hmm. because why like what do you you called world champion but you don't really get paid a lot and it didn't mean anything whereas an Ironman world champion that meant something to your sponsors so you would you would put all your eggs in that basket mm-hmm. um, anyway now PTO have partnered with World Triathlon Champion and they're now going to have their huge prize purses and all of their coverage and everything that goes along with PTO racing into the World Triathlon Championships which is huge because finally one of the hardest sports in the world is going to be interesting to watch because they're going to put people on the commentary team who know what they're talking about and it's going to be also fun to watch because they're going to put money into the broadcast you're not just focusing on the front of the race they're going to have various cameras around the course the courses are going to be made up for them to be interesting to watch so lapped courses and hopefully alongside the pto race going on World Triathlon will also have their original age group championship race going on. So you're going to have a good atmosphere with age groupers racing, maybe not at the same time, but on the same weekend as the professionals racing within the PTO. Very cool. Very cool. One thing, what was the thing I was looking at or telling you? Well, the one thing I thought was quite good is that the men and the women, the prize purses are equal all the way down. Yeah. I like that. I think that's been the case in triathlon for a while with Ironman as well. But something that, so what what this does for Ironman, and they've mm-hmm. they've said that they don't want to uh, collaborate with PTO, so they've kind of gone off on their own and, and set their their mo out, and they're, they're saying that they're more interested in the age group racing, which is fine. They need to do a lot to their customer service, but they are. I think they are trying it, and they now have a. Well, they haven't selected him yet, but their CEO stepped down, and uh, so that means there'll be some change there. But they are they charge. So if you want to race as a pro within an Ironman, you have to pay six hundred dollars season license fee. A season license fee to <coughs> race as a pro. Yeah. And then each race. No. Uh, okay, got it. No, you pay six hundred dollars at the start of your season, and then you can race as um, many Ironman races. Okay. But, but the issue with that is triathlon is a very expensive sport, right? So first of all, why are you getting your pros to pay for an event that you should be paying them to come to? or should be paying appearance fees at least. Um, and then the other issue is that you have Ironman, their money is based off age groupers entering. So what used to be a case of you'd have like 1,200 age groupers, they've just packed in as much as they can. So now you're getting races where you might have close to 2,000 age group people racing and a pro field of, let's say, 20 or 30. But it definitely affects the pros like mm. there's other people out on course we've we've seen lately in the last well this summer's season racing of issues with motorbikes um issues with obviously drafting is always a big one they're just packed into these courses and it just becomes an absolute mess 
what PTO is saying is we're focusing on professional triathletes and we're having 20 pros per race racing across the course of a season. So they're going to get their pros to commit to seven to eight races. They're not sure yet. And there's going to be no one else on the course except the pros at their time of racing. And you're going to be able to watch, you know, the best in the world take on the second best in the world eight times in a season. Whereas Ironman is like pick and choose. And maybe you see like Daniela Reef, multiple time world champions racing this race you can dodge that one and go race another one on at the other time in yep. the same place. So they're picking and choosing as well based on who turns up. Yeah. So yeah, they can... Exactly. Yeah. So that's so another issue with it. So I think the way why I'm saying this, long-winded explanation, <laughs> PTO are doing something incredible for triathlon. And as fans of the sport, whether you're, you do triathlon or you're just an endurance fan, th- we should support it. And the way you support these organizations the best is by tuning in and watching and being interested in it. And I think ultimately the real reason why you'd want to tune in and watch this is because you are next season, you're going to have the best racing the best consistently through the season. And it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Vote with your eyes. (laughs) I wonder what the coverage will be like. It's good. I mean, if anyone's watched it this, this year, they have commentators who actually know what's going on mm. rather than blokes who were really good in the early 90s and haven't got a clue anymore what's happening. Um, and they have, yeah, people who with actual opinions on the sport, which is great. And then they have um, looped courses so they can set up multiple cameras so you can see what's happening in like the depth of the field as well. Yeah. I must admit, the only time I've ever watched really triathlon is during the Olympics, I believe. And actually some of the other races where it were, I think the World Championships, but yeah, it was all Olympic distance. And it's always good fun to watch. Mm. And they have good good camera angles, loop courses, like U-turns. Yeah. Um, like people are slipping off bikes and stuff. It's, it's, always, <laughs> it's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. You like to see like the odd crash and then people get up and then yeah. return to racing. It's all draft legal stuff I've watched. Peter of this niche distance where it's like 100k total. I think it's 2k swim and then they're doing uh, 80k bike mm. and then an 18k run. Okay. And it's so it's it's like four and a bit hours <clears> of racing and it's just, just good enough. Like it's good to watch because it doesn't take your whole day up but you can have it on in the background and still be quite interested in it yeah and uh, it's just triathlon's in a great place at the moment in terms of the professional side of things and it's awesome to see and you've got people like christine blumenfeld the norwegian who's just rewriting the rule book when it comes to like how triathlon racing should happen so he raced the paris test event then he got on a plane flew to singapore and he so he raced the paris test event on friday thursday or friday got on a plane went to singapore landed on the saturday raced the pto open asian open on the sunday won <laughs> won it then uh now it's, it's been but we're recording this before um on the weekend is the 70.3 world championships which he's also racing interesting don't know how he's done <laughs> don't predict he's done well because jet lag definitely <laughs> catches up with you but it's just cool to see you know these guys coming in and just rewriting it's a bit like um Tadej Pogacar and you know, his finger guard in the tour it's like normally the first week you never attack sit in the group find your legs the last two weeks of Grand Tour are normally the ones where, where you see it won or lost, but these guys are just attacking each other from the start, week one. Um, you're seeing that as well, actually, in ultra-distance running. So Courtney DeWalter is going to UTMB after doing Western States. Uh, same with Tom Evans, actually. 
he did well at Western States and now he's gone to UTMB. He won it, didn't he? He won yeah. Western, yeah. He did well. So did Courtney, she won. Um, wow. But they're both going to Western, uh, they're both going to UTMB as well. And I see, you know, 200 milers in a summer. I think Courtney did one before that as well and won. So she's going for a triple. It's mad. It's good. And what it means is Iron Man either need to step up, which only is it's only a positive, right? If they get better, that's only a positive for the sport mm-hmm. or they're slowly just going to die a death. And that's also positive because it gets rid of a bad player within the triathlon world. So I think let's not start, let's not keep focusing on negatives of it. Get behind, um, get behind the PTO, vote with your eyes, which means tune in, watch as much as you can. And yeah, the other side to it is if, and I've spoken to a few people lately about, you know, next season, Ironmans, blah, blah, blah. If you're not keen to race them, then support your local triathlon racers. And we're going to talk a bit more about that in today's show, but there's so much triathlon racing. I mean, run racing, cycle racing, there's so much around. Don't get caught up if it's not a big name. Just <clears throat> support, go enter, have fun. I mean, that's the real goal here, isn't it, behind it? For Yeah, for the people that we are talking to, they should be having fun. Yeah. They're not going to win. Yeah. They might win local age group races, but ultimately they, they're going to have fun. They have work, they have life. Yeah. So if they're not enjoying it, they shouldn't be doing it. Find something else they do enjoy. Yeah. And as a pro, if you're racing, go and do the easiest Ironman races you can find to get your points up. Then hopefully you get enough points to go race to the PTO and start making the mega bucks. Yes. That's the way. But mate, you let's talk about a little research we did, right? So let's say you're going to the Ironman World Championships in Kona. Yeah. Right? Which actually this year the men's is in Nice and the women's is in Kona. It's confusing everybody. But Very confusing. So you've trained, let's put it into context, you've trained, <laughs> right, for six months. Six months. Specifically for this race. Right. Let alone the 10 years you've put into triathlon training okay. before that, right? <clears throat> six months. You train your heart out. You feel in the best shape of your life. You fly to Kona. How much is the flight costing? You, you search this. So I, if you want to go quickly, so the quickest way to get to Kona, if you want to go off-season now, is 2,000 pounds. 11,000 dirhams. 11,000 dirhams, yeah. And that's now, and you're not really meant to go there now because it's on fire. Oh, yeah, true. So it's probably down. So $2,500 yeah, say so. to get there, right? Hotel. But also, you, this is... You know, it's your biggest race of your life. So you're taking family, at least friends? at least one friend, girlfriend, wife, husband. There we go. So boyfriend, five thousand, so five thousand dollars. Um, right, we need somewhere to stay. Didn't look at hotels, but that's gonna. <laughs> it's peak season, isn't it? It's, everything sells out for the race, so everything is at a premium. So let's go small. Let's go a thousand. Okay, for a week. You need to. That's cheap. You need to have extra baggage on the plane because you're taking a bike and all your kit with you. Okay, let's go. 500. Okay, so we're, what now? Four grand? Yes. Right? Got to eat? Triathletes eat a lot. Week's food? Yeah. What are we talking? Do you want to make $100 a day? Uh, yeah, minimum. Minimum. Mm. Um, you need, you know, all your fuel for the race. Let's call it a thousand. Okay. Five, five grand, probably. Snacks in the airport, expensive? Yep. Right. You have the race of your life. Yes. So we're at 25,000. Yeah, we're at basically 25,000 dirhams, let's okay. say. And this is as a pro. You have the race of your life. Yeah. Right? And you come 15th in the world. That's well, long distance very, triathlon. Very good result. Insane result for someone, right? For, you, for your average Joe. 
how much prize money do you win? You think you at least cover your cost, right? At least cover my cost. <laughs> 25,000 dirhams. $5,000? $5,000. That'd be good. Mm. Now, you get $3,000. So you've had a loss. You're probably going to have to pay tax on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Where would that put you in the PTO? I don't know how many points you'd get for that. But, uh, yeah, PTO, prize purse. I think you you would, I think they're about one or 2,000 more okay. than that for like the same place. What does, uh, what does first place get in Ironman? If you win Kona, you are on $125,000. Okay. Yeah. Second place, 65,000. Third place, 45,000. Fourth place, 25,000. So you... Yeah, fifth place, 20,000. So basically you have to come, down. you have to basically come top four to recoup your money. Well, nah, because $25,000 is different, 25,000 dirhams. Oh, sorry, yes. yes but yes, you got to yes. be in the top 10 for sure. It's a shame. Mm. Yeah. But that, I think, is something that makes triathlon quite special is a lot of people do this. For the age group, the, the pros do it for certainly to make a career in the money, but mainly for the passion. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's a. I suppose it's it's much the same. Like people that run long distance, lots of people that run marathons, they know they're not going to get. They're not doing it for money. They're doing it to experience something and to learn about themselves. Mm. Much the same with triathlon. It's just three disciplines. Yeah. It always surprises me how many people get into triathlon that don't have a swimming background and aren't very good swimming or very. I can speak. Aren't very good at swimming. That always baffles me. Yeah, I can I can bike, I can run, but I can't swim. So the drive and the love of it has got to be huge to get into a pool to do something that one you're not very good at, and if you're not very good at it, swimming is hard. Swimming is hard at the best of times. Yeah, boring as hell. <laughs> I quite like it, but if it, if you yeah if you're not a good swimmer, then it's yeah a lot of dedication and strong will to get in that pool. Yeah. Anyway, thought I'd share um, main message: positivity is coming. We should support it with eyes. Also, you know, subscription models and all that are on there. And uh, and that's a good way to support, support the sport. And the better the sport does at the top end, the better the sport does in the age group level as well. And that's ultimately what we want. Excellent. Right, we are 22 minutes in. Let's get to the topic of the show, <laughs> shall we? If you could only eat one breakfast the rest of your life, what would you eat? Steak and eggs. Really? For breakfast every uh, day? Yes. Wait, hang on. <laughs> so I've taken, I've gone for steak and eggs. I'm, I'm thinking, no. Mm. Steak and oatmeal. Steak and oats. Steak and oats every day. Yeah, I could live on that. Because mm. you got your fats, you got carb, you got protein. You could survive on that. You haven't got real mm, nutrients. Steak, eggs, and blueberries. It's getting bigger. <laughs> you've gone from steak and eggs to steak and oats yeah to now steak eggs and blueberries you've got rid of the oats and a multivitamin <laughs> what about continental breakfast no i'm fine <laughs> don't need it buffet what would you go for <laughs> i was just thinking this morning when i was making breakfast like what if we could only eat one breakfast the rest of our lives mm. yeah I, I, do you know what i actually quite uh, 
most of my breakfasts are similar throughout the week, and it is oats, berries, milk, uh, cinnamon, maybe some nuts and seeds, yeah, protein powder. Mm. Pretty much the same every day. I think I would have my normal oats bowl as well. So I get oats, dried oats, right? Put in the protein powder, mix the bowl around so that it mixes in with the oats. Then I add in uh, almond milk normally or oat milk. Mm-hmm. Then a spoonful of peanut butter. Then a handful of blueberries. And then uh, honey on top. It's pretty much the same as me. <laughs> Very similar. Are we the same person? You I actually put, I actually put my post-run breakfast on Instagram this morning. And it is, yeah, it was exactly that. It's 717 calories. Is it? Is what I measured. Out. A cup of oats, a cup and a half of almond milk, protein powder, uh, two tablespoons of peanut, or no, a tablespoon of peanut butter, a cup of blueberries, cinnamon, collagen powder. That's not 79. 717 calories. Ah, 717. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Excellent. I thought I'd just throw that curveball at you. Next week, find out what Rob Jones will eat for dinner. If I had to have the same dinner every day, pizza. Uh, <laughs> right. Races in the UAE. They are coming. They are coming. What do we need to know? So, if you if you're like me, you probably had multiple meetings with people that have or or are already planning their race season through to next summer, and some of it is very erratic. Some of them have completely underthought the cost. Not the cost monetary-wise, but the cost that racing takes on them physically if they want to perform at their best. So you sit down, you have a meeting, right, I want to PB my half marathon here and here. Here's a 10K, I want to get a PB there, and I'm going to do this marathon, this marathon, and then a race in ultra in Europe in the summer. And you go, well, that's probably not realistic. So we thought we'd have a good conversation or maybe our top tips, let's say, on how to plan a race season. How to plan it well. In the UAE. In the UAE, yeah. If you're in Europe, you may as well shut off and go have some breakfast. <laughs> in the UAE, keep listening. Okay. So, race season. Yeah. Where would you start? I know where I start. Uh, so, I start with the longer, longer term picture in mind. So, mm-hmm. if you could only achieve one thing this season, what would it be? That kind of question. Yeah. Um. What is your, hopefully, you've been training through the summer with a goal in mind that's coming up. Okay. So, first of all, find out what you want to achieve and pick out what will take the longest because normally the longest event that you're going to choose to do is what needs the focus of training mm-hmm. the most. Um, more real, real-term real examples here uh, like would be Adnok Abu Dhabi Marathon mm-hmm. or Dubai Marathon. December and January. Yeah. Now we need to start thinking about it. Yeah. I think people are. That's good. Yeah. I'd say like, so if I look at a race season, you need to think about what your peak races are, your A races. So maybe categorize them into A, B and C. So your A are the ones you want to perform at or get your PBs at the best. You're not probably going to perform well at Abu Dhabi and Dubai Marathon, or you're not going to peak at both because Mm. the gap I think it's only about five weeks, maybe. Well, I think you can do it if you plan to. If you plan to. But then what if you want to do 
in between Creek Striders and you want to take Christmas off and relax and eat a little bit and drink a little bit. There we go. Here, yeah. So, I mean, you need to, pa- I, I mean, personally, I think you need to pick a race, an A race that you want to perform at, a big race or a big goal for the season, maybe one or two, but make sure they're spread out enough and then work backwards, like you say, to now. So if you're thinking about a race in Abu Dhabi, the marathon, you need to have started. You need to have trained over the summer. You will have built that base and now you can start dialing in for that marathon. Mm, 14 weeks to go, right? 14 weeks, yeah. Yeah, and it also it's a good idea, I do this with, with a lot of athletes, is to figure out what does what your social and life calendar look like up until, let's say, March or April next year. And you might not know, but at least it might provoke the thought and the questions. You know, maybe you could even go home and communicate with your family. You know, guys, do we have anything we'd like to be doing during December or over Christmas, New Year's? What holidays have you got coming up? Uh, any birthdays, weekends that you know you need to have off? Any busier times in work? Um, you know, where's the most of the stress coming on? Maybe go back and look at the previous years at your calendars and just remind yourself what it felt like during, let's say, two weeks of the end of December over Christmas, New Year's. How did you feel then? Were you able to train a lot? Or was there a lot of red in your training peaks because other things were coming up, which is absolutely fine but it's worth getting in there and having a look so that you can predict what the next few months will look like and then build your race plan around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your thoughts on practice races? So lots of people I know within our community, because I mean, when we get to autumn and winter, the season starts and even then in spring and you can race if you like every single weekend. There's always a 10K, a 5K, lots more half marathons popping up. Do you see value in someone training for a marathon going and running, say, a 10K on a weekend? I think so, if you get value from that. Like I remember Steph last year, she ran, she was doing long runs, but including races, like she'd run 10K before the race, then she'd run 10K as the race and then she'd run 10K after it. Yeah. And because she you know, loves being in the community and, and thriving around it. So I think it's a good idea if, if you want to. Yeah, it doesn't mean you should, but yeah, if you think, well, it's a nice way to break up my long run on a, on a Sunday, then I'll go and do it. I think you don't want to rely purely on being around others because obviously when you race, you are pretty much put on your own or in your own headspace. But it's certainly a, a nice way to, to have a bit of a training boost here and there. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think racing, to race well, it's a skill. And like all skills, you got to practice it. And if you race during your training cycle, you can practice your nutrition, you can test your kit, you can uh, practice your breakfast timing, you can try and pick a race that starts at the same time. But sometimes, like you said there, Steph was running 10K races, but training for a marathon. If you just swap out, or if you just race a hard 10K, then you're probably going to have missed a longer run that should have been planned at the weekend, which will be to your detriment if you're only on a 12 or maybe a 14 week training plan for a marathon. Mm. And if you're running a hard 10K at the weekend and you go all out, it needs some recovery time as well. So if you think you're going to race hard on a Saturday and go and do some marathon tempo efforts on a Sunday, you're probably mistaken, unless you're very well trained. Yeah, yeah. And, but also that, you know, build that into what you want to be doing. Like, what do you want to feel when you're training? How do you want to feel at the end of a weekend? Do you want to feel absolutely mashed because you've had a great weekend doing as much as you can or do you want to be ready to go again on you know monday for the new training week there's all the things there's sometimes you want one sometimes you want the other and they're all things to just think about and discuss with your coach but also discuss you know 
either with yourself based on your workflow or with family or other people around you that are, are important to you like think a little bit more beyond just what the race is think more about how that race affects you and how you feel with it you know how you're feeling on the start line how you're feeling at the finish line because if you're getting very nervous on start lines maybe don't enter as much mm. yeah so you save up that energy for when it really matters avoid over committing to races mm. yeah i think yeah if, if you want to run your best and that's your ultimate goal then you've probably got to focus on picking quality races over quantity of races um especially if you've got your eye on marathons so if you're running too many races too many races during your marathon build up it's going to erode the effectiveness of your training i think mm. okay um, what about I was going to say yeah what what do you feel or how do you feel about what Steph was doing so racing a 10k building in a run before then it sort of stops start you know you're hanging around the start line then you race a 10k then you sort of stop start again you're sort of chatting to people at the finish line and you go run a 10k afterwards to get a long run is there value in that over just having a long steady run Mm. it's certainly How's not it for me different but i think for some it's good like if if the thought of going and running a 30k long run on your own is dreadful and enough to make you not go and do it or maybe do 21k instead then uh breaking up a, tr a long run like that is okay because you've got time on your feet and long as you're not too precious about the paces and things and uh, maybe you know you're gonna have five six minutes of standing around before you start you know all that's fine if you're if you're okay with it if your expectations of what that long run is and that day is going to be then then no problem yeah i think yeah. if you're dialing in specifically for a marathon then no there's too many variables there to throw you off but certainly as a as an early training block um way to prepare with time on feet no issues even if you know you have you want to do a 10k race on the weekend because your friends are doing it then take out some of the speed sessions in your week and do some easier long running so you build up some load in the legs that isn't um, you know, going to put you at risk of injury or anything. And then you can go and race hard on the weekend. You're still going to get similar mileage and time on your feet. It's just you've flipped your week around a little bit. Normally people do speed and tempo in the week and long run on the weekend. But why not? You can do a, a harder 10K run on the weekend and do more easy in the week. Yeah, we've had, we've had people do that quite a few times. They'll come to the track session on Tuesday and they won't do the hard efforts. They'll do something, they'll warm up with everyone. Maybe they'll run there from the gym or they'll do a little run before. And instead of doing those efforts, they'll do something lighter. So maybe longer one mile efforts just below race pace or sorry, just over slower than race pace. Um, and then it's, they're not absolutely cooked for the remainder of the week and then flip it and get their intensity from the races. Mm, yeah. I think in the triathlon scene, there's a, a good chance to do, because you've got to practice transition, like actually racing of quite a lot is, is useful um, there's like the, the Rory Nasser race, which is quite an early, it's normally the start of the, the UE triathlon season. That's now moved to Deira Islands. Um, but it's, you know, it's for, number one, it's for a great cause, like Rory Nasser, who was such an integral part of Tri Dubai and has built, you know, helped to build one of the largest um, triathlon clubs in the world, sadly passed away, but it's a memorial towards him. And I think that's one really nice way to help support the community. I mean, I've actually never raced that race, but I go every year to support or to support my athletes who are racing it. And uh, it's it's really cool. I think that's always one worth doing if you're a triathlete in, in the UAE. Um, 
and again, you get a chance to practice transitions. It's sort of a great training session as well. Even if you're doing an Ironman race, you know, doing a, a sprint or an Olympic triathlon distance um, is a great training session for you. So it's a good chance to go and do that. There's uh, the Mamzar series, which has helped you to track some, you can even track performance with that. So you can do um, race one, two, or three. I think race one is October, the week after Roy Nasser. Race two is normally early, early in the year. And then race three is March, March time on the same course every time. So it's quite a nice way to track yourself over sprint or Olympic, uh, how you're doing, how you're improving. And again, practice transitions or get a great training session in. And then they have announced now Bahrain 70.3, which obviously isn't in the UAE, but it's, we, we would recognize it as a local race, if you like. That's going to happen in December, first weekend of December, um, in its normal slot, or maybe it's the second weekend. can't remember exactly, but anyway, early December. Um, and then Muscat 70.3 in February, early Feb. Um, it's also going on. I have an athlete whose goal is to qualify for the 70.3 World Champs. So we're, we're going to do both those races or enter both because... Um, if you miss it in Bahrain 70.3, you get a second shot at Muscat mm-hmm. 70.3 and there's a good gap between. So we know his goal is to go to 7.3 World Championship. So we're going to do some early season racing as good training sessions, but also practicing transitions at you know, Roy Nasser and Mamzar. And then we have first, um, first crack at it in Bahrain and then a second crack at it in Muscat. And uh, if, he, if he gets it in Bahrain, slot gets done and everything, then he'll go to Muscat. And he'll race um, to go for a PB there because he raced it last year. Hi, uh, between so Roy Nasser and Mamza, they are. Is he racing Olympic distances? Mm. Yeah. What What would you say is the recovery time? I know everyone's individual, but how would then you structure the weeks or weeks after doing a hard training race? Is it a hard? Is he going to race hard or is he going to race at seventy point three intensities? No, is no, no race hard, race, race hard, hard for sure. Yeah, I think uh, an Olympic, you know, it kind of depends on how long it takes you. But let's say you're around two, three hour mark, then you're going to need like two or three, two or three recovery days after it. Yeah. Um, normally every hour of the race that takes you, you can normally say about a day's worth for recovery. Yeah. Doesn't bode well for my races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you ultra guys. Never, good. never back. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, I mean, your understanding the bigger picture is, is, is 70.3. So we're not going to do any specific, I would do some specific sessions, but not a specific block mm. to be fast at Olympic, but they're your high intensity um, training sessions or higher intensity than 70.3 training sessions that are also going to help you because you're practicing transition. You're getting a feel for racing around other people, getting a feel for, you know, cornering those sort of things that you just don't normally do within training. Yeah. It's um, very hard to mimic that, isn't it? It's hard to mimic the high intensity of that. Yes. And then, yeah, post that, you make sure that the number one, they're getting recovered first, and then you'll do a, a specific 70.3 block in towards the, the 70.3s. I know people would love to have a date for Dubai 70.3. It's just no one knows. There's, there's no, that used to be such an easy calendar build. You'd have Bahrain in late December, and you'd have Dubai 70.3 somewhere in Feb. But now it's just, I mean, I don't think it's coming. I don't believe it will either, but you never know. Um, so, Muscat have stepped in and they've become a great alternative and it's a beautiful course there as well. So I think if you're a triathlete and you're looking for the same point three distance, um, those two options are excellent if you want to stay local in the area. On Ironman level, obviously we don't have a an Ironman in the region. There's Ironman, um, uh, my mind is gone. Salala? Israel. 
Israel. Israel. November time. Um, if you're doing Sorry, that, man. then you need to be pressing panic training button now. Press, 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 press. Um, but let's talk about, let's say you're going to do an Ironman next summer or you plan to, then you've got to definitely think um, where you're going to have a bit of a, a season break uh, in your next nine month block. So you can still race the 70.3 we just talked about, but you're then going to have to think, right, I've then got another, say, four or five months where I'm going to be training for an Ironman in summer. Now, that's not easy to not to do that without a break in between. So, yeah, you might want to be good with racing. Let's say you want to do Bahrain and Muscat, race Muscat, and then having two or three weeks just downtime, mm-hmm. take it off, or alternatively, race Bahrain and have the, the Christmas period off where you can really recover and then you go into a Ironman training block to start your year and build through to um, your Ironman in the summer which might include Muscat as a bit of a training weekend but not trying to target it as your best 70.3 time or alternatively take the rest of this year to just relax have fun experiment um, build up your base and then start in January training for your Ironman and using again Muscat which yeah it'd be difficult to get again to peak for that but Maybe if you have a good training month through December, then a little bit of a break um, over New Year's, and then you've got a month or six weeks to Muscat, you could target that race to be to do really well in, and then go on to build for your Ironman. But certainly don't try and do everything at the back half of this year, everything at the front half of next year, and then an Ironman in the summer. You're probably going to get there pretty burned out. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, there's, we have quite a lot of people, there is no real off-season in the Middle East, in the sense that what a lot of people do is they'll train and they'll race all through the winter months. And then as soon as the hot months come, they'll go on holiday to Europe and they'll race in Europe in the summer. So they're getting next to no downtime because then they come back in August ready to get fired up and train again for a winter race. Yeah. So um, how, how important or how long should people be taking for downtime? Or should they plan it in? Should they not? Is it sustainable? Yeah. I mean, as I just said, I'd definitely plan it in. And then I would do it the way I, I just talked about with recognizing where your where your main races are. Certainly, if you're doing an Ironman in summer, you need to have downtime um, somewhere within the nine months before that. Otherwise, you probably will get there completely burned out. But plan it in around family time, work stress, all those things. And uh, and then once you've got that done, let's say in Ironman's in June, then be prepared to have two months sort of off plan if you like, because it's not good. It's not healthy to be training all the way through the summer here in Dubai. Like I, I really, the more, the year after year that I watch people do it, I just think, nah. And having done it myself, to, to dehydrate yourself as much as you do, trying to train in these conditions mm. day on day, it absolutely, it's not good for you. It does take its toll. I've yeah. been back two weeks and I'm starting to feel like I need to dial it down a little bit more. It doesn't help that I've just come back from Saudi Arabia. But yeah, I can start to feel, I don't feel like I'm recovering as quickly as I should be. Yeah. And then you're going into the best weather climate for training here in the winter months from, you know, end of October onwards till early March. We're in no better place to be training. And you're going to take months to get over the fact that you've trained through the summer and you Mm. can't actually enjoy the best time here. Yeah. You want to go into the winter season so you can race. Yeah. Yeah. Or just train and have fun. Perfect. Yeah. So key takeaways from this. Basically, avoid aimlessly signing up for races. So determine your goals. Be more intentional, purposeful with your race schedule. Is your goal to race fast or is it to race often? If it's fast, pick a couple of key races within the year where you want to peak. 
layer in a few tune-up races, help you prepare, plan some time off after your race to recover, have fun, mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I literally just wrote a piece on this. Well, now this has come out, but last week I wrote um, an article about my training for the the Xterra World Champs, and like thinking of it as a World Championship and trying to get up for getting in my best shape again was just not motivating me. So I just had to completely reframe it of like, right, what I'm going to do is go and race in the mo- one of the most beautiful places in the world, enjoy mountain biking that I wouldn't normally get to enjoy in the scenery and run an off-road course um, around a beautiful lake. To do that, I need to swim. So got to do swim training because I don't want to obviously um, be absolutely tanked for the bike because I've not done the swim training. I would get through the swim with no training, but obviously... I don't want to be, do that and come out and then not enjoy the bike because I'm so tired. So I've completely reframed it. I'm not thinking about where do I want to come in the race. I'm not thinking about time. I have no clue on a time expectation. I have no clue on a pace on a place ranking expectation either. It's literally just go and enjoy this race around some incredible other athletes and just enjoy it. And if you can actually ask yourself, what do you want from the race? Then it makes life so much easier when it comes to the to the training. I had this conversation with someone literally yesterday. You mean uh, two weeks ago? Uh, two, two weeks ago <laughs> and a day ago. And it was, what, what is your goal for this race? Number one, let go of all time expectations because this race is a really, really technical trail race in the UAE and it'll be their first trail race. I said, just your, your goal is to go and ultimately just have a really, really good time. So what does that look like? How would you have a good time coming back from this race? What is your success criteria from that? And then work backwards. That'll help influence your training block. And it'll just make you have a lot more fun over the next three months as you build up to this race. You won't get stressed about it because the goal is to have fun. And this is what you need to do to to achieve that. Awesome. Should we end there then? Let's finish there. Next week, what does Rob Jones eat for dinner? I have to have a good think about this. Yeah, I don't think it's a fair question. (laughs) Too many options. So many options. Right. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week.